0: What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita, back here on a Monday to recap the weekend in college basketball. Probably talk a few other things as well. And I will bring in our guest for the day, it wastes no time, Andrew Stem, back with us once again. If you guys remember Andrew from last week. He is a reporter at the Omaha World Herald, covers a lot of sports, loves college basketball, Michigan man. How are you doing, Andrew?
1: I'm doing pretty well, Jack. Uh, you know, I assume we'll get to it, but it was a thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining Michigan and Ohio State game. Yes. I'm in a little bit better mood because Michigan came out on top. <laughs> but, uh, you know, March is a week from now. We'll be, we'll be in March. Conference tournaments brackets are getting finalized, and, uh, you know, the NCAA tournaments just a few weeks away this is this is the best time of the year to be a fan of the sport the next six weeks from from here till we roll out through uh the cutting down of the nets in uh early april uh no better time to be a sports fan especially a college basketball one so uh this is this is this is the best time of the year right here
0: well i will go a step further and make a claim that this is the best time of the sports here of, of all sports this is it
1: I'm not going to fight you, man. I, I, I mean, I like I live for stuff like this. So the the next five, six weeks, uh, I plan on being planted in front of my TV a lot because there are a lot of good games coming up, a lot of stuff that, you know, will have implications for for different reasons. And then, you know, we get around to the the college, the conference tournaments. And, you know, as uh, we both went to both got our degrees from Valpo. So I feel like we have kind of a a pull to those mid-major and small (laughs) major leagues, you know, whether they ultimately should hold conference tournaments, uh, is a question for debate that we can probably have at some point. And, you know, if you think teams should send their best team, maybe conference tournaments are, are not so good. And if you want to look at a couple of leagues, uh, the big South with Winthrop and the Ohio Valley with Belmont, um, And even, I guess, you know, if you want to extend it a little bit further, the Missouri Valley with Drake and Loyola, um, you know, these leagues are starting to run risks of possibly not sending their best team. But at the same time, when, you know, you get there and everybody's still got a shot to make the NCAA tournament, there's, there's nothing like it. We've been to (laughs) horizon league tournaments and, uh, you know, those are certainly special. And, uh, I've been to some other ones when Falpo was in the summit league, when I was an undergrad and, and things like that, there's, there's nothing like it. And so, uh, Yeah, man. I'm so excited. It is is a really, really good time to be a sports fan. It's a great
0: time to be a sports fan. It's a great time to subscribe to The Jack Vita Show if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast and log on to my website jackvita.com where I will be providing some additional writing in addition to the podcasting services. You can get your email notifications on there so that way Whenever there is fresh content available, you'll be in the loop about that. You'll be first in line whenever there's new content available. We have a lot of content coming up. I am intending to be podcasting on every single round of the NCAA tournament and providing recaps for all of those, including a live show on Selection Sunday, which is less than three weeks from now. More information on that uh TBD. We'll we we'll all release more information as we get closer to that date, but we'll have a live stream on Facebook and YouTube. So make sure you're following my youtube.com slash Jack facebook.com slash Jack Vita show so you don't miss out on those live streams. And uh, in addition to that, we're also getting going on our MLB preview series, six podcast episodes with the six Major league baseball divisions getting going on that tomorrow actually, Andrew.
1: Yeah, it's uh I was thinking about that as uh you know, spring training games are gonna get started here, I think early next week. Uh, you know, but it feels like those first few days, uh the and uh, MLB teams take on the kind of local college teams. I know the Tigers usually play Florida Southern or yeah. Charleston Southern or, or one of those teams down there. And, uh, you know, then we'll get be in earnest here before too long. But everybody, I think, is reported to camp by now or will be doing so in the next few days. And teams are kind of filling out their rosters with uh, last-minute deals. The Cubs just officially signed Jake Arrieta, which is I know a lot of people on the north side will be happy to have him back. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah, it's – it's it's a good time man it's it it helps the weather around here has not been great I was telling you earlier we got five inches of snow yesterday and uh, so uh, <sighs> it is always helpful to turn on the TV and see games being played in in Florida and Arizona and understand that the Primus of spring will get here eventually
0: yeah. 100% and I'll be de- heading down to Florida later this week. I might catch some spring training while I'm down there for some of the Tampa local teams. I'll be taking the show on the road for the next couple of weeks so that should be a lot of fun and when I mean taking it on the road, I mean recording from the condo that I'll be staying in, in Florida for a couple of weeks so I'll be doing any uh, live shows with fans or anything like that but maybe someday, maybe someday we'll get there. But We've got, uh, coming up this week, I'll record the AL West tomorrow with Anthony Franz, and then the NL West with Michaela Perkins on Wednesday. I'm sure the AL West one will be out by the end of the week. Uh, Not sure about the NL West. We'll be sprinkling them in, uh, in addition to the college basketball content. But yeah, lots of of good stuff on the horizon. And we also had a fun time last week. Andrew was here. We, We talked some college basketball then. Jay Starrett from The Challenge and from Survivor, he came on and I interviewed him. And then Albert DeStrade from Survivor South Pacific in our most recent episode, we came up with if there were a Survivor season consisting of 18 Major League Baseball players, who would win? And so we ran a simulation, provided our own color commentary, had a lot of fun with that. So if you missed any of those episodes, go back and check those out. Who do you think will win that Survivor season, Andrew?
1: uh you'll have to refresh my memory i haven't gotten a quite chance to listen to it yet who were the 18 uh who were the guys you picked
0: oh there are quite a bit of them but we got all the major stars for the most part we we were pretty high on uh charlie blackman and chris bryant going in those are the guys we were thinking about but mm. i mean then you got some potential villains and manny machado and bryce harper and alex bregman trevor bauer uh, and so then there are just some likable veteran guys like Miguel Cabrera and, uh, JD Martinez. And I, I don't want to go through all 18. It'll take us too long. <laughs> I,
1: I mean, I mean, would it, would it be, uh, would it be too cliche to simply say that, uh, I feel like it might be Alex Bregman just because at this point they'll <laughs> do whatever they have to do to win? Is that, is that, is that, is that a little bit too, uh, a little bit too blasé? Um, No,
0: I mean, I think with Bregman, it could really go either way. It's if he could be the first one targeted for the whole Spygate scandal, or he could be a guy that is just so uh, conniving and scheming that he could he could make a, a deep run. So make sure you guys check out that episode when you get a chance. It was a lot of fun. And hopefully if you don't like Survivor, you still get some enjoyment out of it. Andrew, we had a lot go down this past week in college basketball and I'm going to be honest, so one of, the, one of the best tips, I believe, and I've heard this, can't remember where I heard this, but the idea is, instead of acting like you know something, if someone asks you a question, you say, I don't know. Don't try to act like a know-it-all. So, with that being said, I need to be honest. This past week, I really was not able to watch too much. I had a house-sitting job, actually two house-sitting jobs, and the first one, Sunday through Thursday... Uh, Sunday through Wednesday night, four nights, no TV whatsoever, couldn't watch TV at all. So I had to use uh, my CBS All Access just to keep myself entertained a little bit. And then on uh, Saturday, Sunday, I was house sitting at a different place and they had the basic channels, but they really didn't have any of the ESPN2, ESPNU, SEC Network, Fox Sports, none of that. So I was only able to watch saturday and sunday thursday and friday so i still caught a good amount but uh andrew what did i miss uh during the week you know
1: um i mean iowa things just kind of bounce around we've talked about iowa before uh luca garza is now the all-time leading scorer in hawkeye program history which um you know they've they've had some really good players roll through there they've uh kind of righted the ship. There was a a stretch there for where they lost four out of five. They've now won four in a row, uh, including Thursday night. They had that big win at Wisconsin. Um, you know, we can touch on Wisconsin a little bit later and whether winning in the, the call center now that Ohio state, Michigan and Iowa have all done. So, um, is as big a deal as it was before. And I think Maryland has, um, as well, but, um, Beat Iowa. Uh, Luca Garza is now the, the leading scorer. And I think, still uh, with Iowa winning these games, has kind of gone back and cemented himself as the front runner for National Player of the Year. Um, we were going to talk about Houston last week. We yes. didn't get to Houston. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Houston's given us reason to talk about them for the wrong reasons as uh, they went into Wichita State. Uh, the Shockers team that are kind of on the the edge of the NCAA tournament bubble. Some people are like they're in, some people are like they're out, first four in, first four out, kind of, or last four in, first four out, kind of in that range. And uh, they took it to Kelvin Sampson's Cougars. Um, 68-63 was the final. Uh, They made something absurd, I think like 12 or 13 three-pointers that really kept them in it. And Houston just never got going. And, um, you know, this is one of those things that, you know Houston has a really good team, and if you look at the uh, adjusted uh, efficiency numbers, they're the 14th best offense, seventh best defense, but they just have a couple of now head scratching losses. I mean, not not to say that Wichita State is not a good team. If you know they're a fringe NCAA tournament team, that that's not a terrible loss. But uh, this loss against at East Carolina um, yeah. in early February—that's one snapped a big long winning streak—and that's the kind of thing. You know, these losses are probably—I I would guess—because Houston doesn't have a ton of good opportunities to get good wins anymore. Being in the American, yeah. um, they've probably cost themselves their chance at a two seed. Um, you know, you know, maybe enough results happen and, and things change, but uh, unfortunately, one of those losses—that loss. That loss Uh, East Carolina and then this one probably going to keep the Cougars from being able to climb back on the two C two line. Although if they, they went out certainly um, you know, they'd be 23 or 24 and three conversely that that might be good enough. But um, you know, that that was a game where they struggled, unfortunately just couldn't really shake the shockers and uh, credit to Wichita state, you know, the way that their program uh, the turmoil they had before the, the season started with Greg Marshall being fired yeah. or and uh you know the the coach who's taken over for them the assistant who stepped in the interim role has done a really good job and uh, has wichita state in position to to sneak in and get a bid
0: are we looking at a two-bid league with the american is that what we're probably going to look at if wichita state gets in is there another I, school that i'm missing
1: uh, i mean it it's you know it's, it's wichita state it's houston maybe memphis like if if you look at I mean Memphis and I guess it depends on who who wins you know if if the final if the semifinals of the AAC turn out to be Wichita State Houston Memphis and SMU um, and one of the non Houston teams wins you might see three yeah I, I, there's a chance but um, yeah I mean, it's, it, it's been a it's, down,
0: it's, really down year for the American not a good year yeah. for the American
1: yeah and I you know a lot of guys. You know, they had a lot of seniors, and and guys move on, and so a lot of younger guys, and the the turmoil at Wichita State hasn't helped, and you know, losing Connecticut, even though Connecticut wasn't, um, hadn't been really the the brand that they've been, you know, since they won the 2014 national title. Um, I think that just kind of knocked the whole sort of conference just down a touch.
0: Yeah, prestige-wise.
1: Um, yeah, and and um, you know, there's still the the seventh, I think, highest-rated conference in the net right now. So certainly nothing to to shake a stick at. But there's just there's Houston, and then there's three or four fringe teams, and you know, you don't want to be you don't want to be a Memphis, you don't want to be an SMU, and Lose in the the quarterfinals or the semifinals, and then have to sit and wait and hope that all of the other mid-major tournaments and high-major tournaments, the results all go your way, so that you can kind of sneak in. Like, yeah, you, you know, you want the chance to win it. But I think right now, Houston is probably the only team that in that league that can feel good about their their position on Selection Sunday. A lot can still change. Yeah, um, you know, it could could be could end up being as much as a three bid. Uh, four I think will probably be a stretch but it yeah, no certainly, certainly could be a three-bit AAC if things shake out the right way um, so we'll see but yeah it's
0: I mean you know, it's, Cincinnati it's, UCF Tulsa none of them are good this year either Those all yeah. those schools have been pretty good in the last few years
1: yeah those those just, just, just struggle I think it was uh, you know a lot of seniors I know there were a lot of seniors on Cincinnati's team last year yeah and, Mick uh, Cronin's gone and John Brandon, a guy we know from, from northern Kentucky during uh, their time in the Summit League. Yep. Um, or it's not Summit, the Horizon League, rather. Um, and, you know, he just did well in his first couple of years, his first year there last year, and I think just took a step back. Like I said, I think they had three or four seniors who were really kind of uh, in big parts of that program yeah. and uh, have, have struggled a little bit. They're, they're building towards the future. But, yeah, when you're, you know, when, you, when your when top flight kind of programs in Wichita State ever since they they made that run to the 2013 Final Four kind of yeah. carried the banner for this this program that um, you know when you when your banner carrying programs are down a little bit and then there's Houston and everybody else um, it's just been a little bit of it's it's hard to for the league to get a foothold and you know to to make people pay attention and you kind of thought Houston was going to allow them to do that and then it seemed like one of their first chances where people were really paying attention was Thursday night and then they went out and lost.
0: Yeah, another story from the past week: Jalen Johnson, a projected lottery pick at Duke, opted out for the remainder of the year so he can prepare for the NBA draft. And uh, Coach Bayheim of Syracuse actually said that he thinks Duke is better off without him. And this was a this was a comment that there was a little bit of. Uh, debate over. And it's really going to be interesting with Syracuse and Duke playing tonight. I'm really excited to watch that game. But Duke has actually won their last three games. And something that you and I have talked about is these teams with the one and done guys, they don't seem to be winning. Uh, could there maybe be something to this, Andrew?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it sounded like, you know, there was a lot of semantics arguing this weekend about yeah. whether he was opting out whether he'd quit on his team how how you wanted to to feel about that but it certainly sounds like from what some of the writers are saying who are who are plugged into the the duke program that he was for whatever reason causing friction within the the locker room and you know, he's a, he's a talented player and then he'd gotten an injury in December and people weren't sure he was going to come back. And it showed a lot that he decided to come back and keep playing for his team. But you know, he only got eight minutes in the last game he played in and I think just decided for him, you know, he made a business decision. and um, But yeah, it's certainly Duke is, is kind of gelling and coming together. Uh, you mentioned their three-game winning streak. or uh up to 10-8, and eight, which is... As close to uh, as far above by five hundred, or almost as far above five hundred as they've been all year, which is weird yeah. to say <laughs> about them. But uh, I mean, unfortunately for them, I don't think right now they're still in. Even though the win over Virginia was a really good one,
0: yeah, a huge um, win on Saturday. And now
1: now Virginia is a team who's going in the wrong direction. And if you want yep. to touch on the defending champs here in a minute, we can. But um, but I mean, they got a chance in front of them, Syracuse on Monday. They got Louisville on Saturday, uh, then at Georgia Tech and at North Carolina. If they can, you know, win those four, get to sixteen and ten, win a couple of games in the ACC tournament, get to eighteen and eleven, that's probably going to be enough to get them in. I would think, assuming, um, you know, I don't know, not quite sure where they'd be looking at standings wise right now, but especially if they could knock off one of the upper echelon teams if they could beat a a virginia again or a uh florida state or a virginia tech in the acc tournament to get one of those wins i think that would probably be enough to propel them in but uh they have certainly certainly come together uh matthew hurt looked really good on saturday night um dj stewart played pretty well as uh as well then those guys have you know, Jalen Johnson leaving kind of left a vacuum and and those guys have kind of stepped in. I mean, I know it's only been a few games, but uh, for whatever reason, Duke certainly seems to look much more cohesive without Johnson on the floor. And you know, I, I think you see that sometimes where um you know there's a a star player or whatever and uh, kind of sucks up a lot of the oxygen and you know, guys become deferential or whatever. And then roles change once that player leaves and you know, whether it's through injury. Ewing theory. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh Bill Simmons, Ewing yep, theory. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, you know, they're they're playing better, they're they're on the right track, they're not there yet, but um they're trending certainly in a better direction than they were two weeks ago.
0: So Yeah, I think the thing is, Andrew, both these things can be true. That Jalen Johnson a guy who here's the thing, I don't feel like I'm not going to come down on guys who don't want to really go to college in the first place. They want to play in the NBA. They have the talent to play in the NBA. I don't think that they should be forced to go to college for a year. If they want to, and we've we've talked about this in the past, if they want to go pro and maybe the G League ends up being the future for this thing or maybe the next CBA, you can get drafted out of high school, it's not good for the college basketball game that these guys are there Um, I mean, there's good and bad with it, but this is the bad when a guy doesn't really want to be there that badly. And for me, it's like, hey, do whatever you got to do because you're gonna you're gonna try to make as much money as you can. You're prepping yourself for your career, and if that means not playing right now in the college basketball game, then go get it. Like that's fine. I don't care. Um, but at the same time, Duke can be better without him. So I think it's like both those things can be
1: true at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know we've talked about this before, so uh, we don't necessarily <laughs> need to yeah. need to. Spend a lot of time talking about this, but I really do think that um, if the if the one-and-done rule, if the NBA does away with the, the draft requirement for uh, – in the next collective bargaining agreement, I would really like to see – and I know whether I guess it would be an NCA rule or whatever, where if you go to college, there should be – like at the like the college baseball one like i don't think three yeah. years is probably asking too much to ask guys to straight stay three years but if you're gonna come and you're gonna go yeah. to college you, sh- you should go stay for two that you know you yeah. get the full college experience like you know some of these guys they they talked about the you know kevin durant when he was on campus you know got to the second semester and then stopped going to class because he knew he was gonna you know, go, and that's certainly that's a yeah. that's a good decision for him and whatever these these guys are doing. But right. if you if you have the option of going right out of high school, and some of these guys are certainly ready and don't need to be spending a year in there, that's fine. But the guys who end up going to college should be guys who want to actually be playing college basketball. And I, I think a two-year requirement would be a lot of good. I don't, I don't I don't, know how we make that happen or if anyone beyond the two of us cares about making that happen, but uh, that's that's what I think. <laughs> I would like to see that because, you know, like it would have been silly if we'd asked LeBron to go to college for a year. Like, he'd have gone to Ohio State and he'd have yeah. ruled and he'd have been awesome. And, but, like, if guys are ready, don't make them wait. And conversely, guys who end up going to college, I think, should put – a commitment to the school other than just one year but that's i'll get off my soap i'll get off my soapbox now
0: (laughs) no i i agree that's been my thought for a long time and i think what you could do is similar to how baseball does it if you want to potentially only play one year of college basketball go you could go to junior college Mm -hmm. and you could do that for and then get drafted out of junior college, but you can't get drafted out of college basketball. So I guess that would have to be an NBA rule, and the NCAA would have to work together with the NBA, but it's unfortunate that the NBA kind of screws college basketball in this regard. Yeah,
1: it will be interesting to see this new G League Express. I can't – I'd never remember the name of the team, or G League Excite, or (laughs) basically the guys who are – like Isaiah Todd and Jonathan Kuminga, and there was a guy who was going to go to UCLA who's Jalen something, I think, whose name escapes me right at the moment, uh, was going to be their starting point guard. And um, you know, instead they chose, and I think it's like $500,000 for the salary and training and, and all that stuff. And how those guys get drafted, it'll be interesting to see if that becomes more of an avenue for guys who maybe choose, you know what? I I don't think I'm quite ready for the NBA. But college isn't really my, my cup of tea, and if if that becomes a viable option, um, you know maybe that 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 along with your junior college uh, suggestion would give people a couple other avenues. But uh, you know that's certainly something to keep an eye on as the NBA and the Players Association gets a little bit closer to trying coming up with their new collective bargaining agreement.
0: Yeah, and. And on top of that, I don't have anything to add about Virginia, but I would love to chat about this Michigan Ohio State game from yesterday, which I was able to catch, thankfully. And I did catch the I did catch the Duke game on Saturday, for that matter. But Michigan won that game, 92 87. It felt like a postseason game. It was awesome. That was a big road win for Michigan. And I came ready for a big-time question for you as a Michigan basketball fan. Are you ready for this one, Andrew? Fire away. Is this the best Michigan basketball team of the last 10 years? So really the question is, is it better than the 2018 team or the 2013 team? Better than both those teams? And I guess I don't know what your thoughts as to which team you favored. Personally, I thought... The 13 team was more talented, but the 18 team uh, was a better defensive team. I think that this team, I don't know if it's crazy to say, I think that right now, number three, Michigan, I think that this is, it looks like the perfect fusion of the 13 team and the 18 team, where they're consistently good offensively and defensively.
1: Yeah, I I do not find that to be... Uh... Raging at all on the hot take meter, uh, I think that's a that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, you know, I don't know how many in terms of of overall talent um, the the thirteen team might still have this one beat. Although, oh yeah,
0: I would agree um, on that. In talent, they have they have five NBA players in their starting lineup for. First round picks, so can't really well, but fight,
1: that. but um, but yeah, no, your assessment, the the fusion of offense and defense. Um, I mean, they, you know, we were talking last Monday about how they held Wisconsin to to twenty points in the second half. They can lock down defensively when they have to, although they did not yesterday. It was if you like offense, um, <laughs> yesterday was. Uh, each team made 11 three-pointers. Uh, I think the the numbers I saw with Ohio State shot 55% on two-point shots and they were 12 of 13 at the free throw line and still lost. Uh, it was low turnovers, it was really good offense and two I think kind of varying theories about offense uh, because Ohio State's a little bit undersized. You know, their their front line's 6-7 and 6-8 and you know, as you watched, especially in the second half, uh, Hunter Dickinson, who's 7-2 for Michigan, he uh, had his way inside, And uh, but uh, Dwayne Washington and Eli, E.J. Liddell uh, for the Buckeyes, man, they, they shot the lights out, and it was a thoroughly entertaining game. Uh, you know, a lot of people I was reading the, the comments and uh, thought it definitely lived up to the hype, which was good. You know, it's... Yeah rare that you get top five matchups in the regular season and then not only to get them but to have them kind of live up to the billing yeah but uh yeah i mean that the the thing that i think makes michigan so dangerous is that i don't and i think this is kind of the same way with you know the the other top teams as well um to a lesser extent uh certainly as well is that they're not dependent on one guy to score
0: yeah um Which is like, that's where I would compare it to the 13 team where probably not as loaded offensively as that team was, but that was the same type of thing where you could get, if you need 25 from McGarry, you could get 25 from McGarry. If you need it from Trey Burke, you could get it from Trey Burke. You get it from Tim Hardaway. It was mm -hmm. very well balanced. And that's what you see with this team, as you were saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, because uh, it seems like it's going to be a different guy kind of every night. I mean, I feel like Dickinson gets a lot of the credit and, you know, is going to be the Big Ten freshman of the year. Um, but, you know, if... And this these will be questions that may be answered. You know, we talked about Iowa uh, and their win over Michigan State last week. Can they consistently win if Luka Garza doesn't score 20 points? Yeah, And there's a possibility that they can. There's a possibility that they can't. Um, you know, with Illinois, if... So if somebody limits, I uh, and he only scores six or seven points, can they win a game like that? Um, and you know, I, I think that, that Michigan's offense is built in such a way where, you know, Franz Wagner is probably going to be a a top 20 pick in the draft and he scored nine points yesterday. (laughs) Um, you know, just one of those where it's, it's a different guy every night and, um, I think to to best answer your question, which is probably going to get me in trouble when I get to bracket pools here in a little <laughs> while, this is the one that I think is most likely to... like. I have the most confidence in saying, I think this team can win the national title. Yeah. Like There was a point in 13 where I thought they could win, and then they went on that February kind of nosedive, and they lost a game at Happy Valley and yeah. did all sorts of other things. And then it got, got to March, and then they were a four seed, and I was like, well, you know... <laughs> And then they, they drew Kansas and it was like man that's going to be such a tough game. And, it was you know, such the, a great Burke game too. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah, Burke hit that that mammoth shot and they ended up winning in overtime. But um, and you know the 18 team was peaking at the right time, but it was kind of like mm, you know is this can that can they legitimately make a, a run? And then they did. And um, you know they, they they had some favors because they some other teams and from got bounced. <laughs> yeah, so they did. <laughs> they, had a, they had a seed wise. I had a fairly decent road to uh, get to the final four, but yeah, this is, this is the one where I look at it now and go, this is the team that I feel like most likely could cut down the nets in Indianapolis of of those three that you mentioned. The one that I'm like, yeah, you know, I can, I, the others, I had to kind of be like, okay, I can try and talk myself into it. This doesn't need any additional convincing that they can win the national title.
0: And I was discussing this with a Michigan fan yesterday and he was he was very high on the 18 team, and then I was sort of pulling up the bracket. I was curious. I wanted to look back on it, and I remember the path being uh, not never an easy one, but definitely not as tough as other Final Four teams have had in the past. And so, and really, I thought that that was a great defensive team. Wagner was a really good player. They had some really good players um, with Duncan Robinson and. Charles Matthews, another good one. And then mm-hmm. they had Livers there, Simpson, and Poole all really young at the time. I never was a big uh, big fan of Abdurrahman's offensive game. Um, he was a good lockdown defensive player, but I, I never had a lot of faith in him when the ball was in his hands. Uh, nevertheless, yeah. so I never really thought that was a great team, but they played – they beat Montana as a 14 seed, and they had that – insane jordan pool shot in yep the round of 32 if that shot doesn't fall they're done that was yep. a prayer it was an unbelievable shot it was great they blew out AM. that was a game where they shot the lights out and they looked great in that game that was their big outpouring they put up 99 points that night um and then florida state a nine seed so oh yeah AM 7 seed Florida State, nine seed in the lead eight, and Florida State was probably better than a nine seed that year. They peaked at the right time. Um, but that was a close one, and they had Loyola Chicago uh, as an 11 seed. So, to your point, Andrew, uh, I-, I wouldn't have had a whole lot of confidence in that team if they were my team at the time, but it was sort of the perfect storm for them. They got rolling, they got to the championship game, and good for them. But I, I think that this is. Uh, I think this team is noticeably better this year than that team was in eighteen.
1: Yeah, I I will not disagree with that at all. Uh, I think your I think your assessment is is spot on.
0: Yeah, but that made me sad that when you said that uh, Franz is going to the NBA because I love watching him. I was hoping he'd stick around a little longer.
1: Yeah, you know uh, it. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what these guys decide to do. I certainly wouldn't blame him, and he'd be, he'd be a, a a two and done. Um, yeah. but you know, it, it's just, uh, everybody, it, it seems like when I listen, um, you know, and I, I don't know what your thoughts are on Dan Dockich as an analyst and that's not this time here nor there <laughs> for a discussion, but he, he likes to call Wagner the best NBA prospect in the big 10. Interesting. Um, so you know he's he's got the length he can, he can shoot he's he's got a lot of things and so um, you know I certainly wouldn't complain if he decided to run it back for another year but I certainly also wouldn't blame him if you know he gets a chance to to take it to the next level and uh, you know it's funny watching people on Michigan fan sites talk about worrying about guys whether they're going to come back not going to come back and it's just like just just enjoy this year this team is <laughs> is this this team is really good just worry about next year like in May or (laughs) April 6th or whatever. Just enjoy this team now. And, uh, man, so.
0: You know, it's funny,
1: Michigan basketball related.
0: I have a friend who he watched the Last Dance docuseries and he wasn't, he's not a big sports guy, but he watched that. He likes playing sports. Ever since he watched that, he's been getting really into basketball. And so he sends me all the time these like Facebook clips of weird plays. And one of the ones he sent me recently was like, oh, well, LOL, OMG, I can't believe this guy's free throw. And it was Xavier Simpson's uh, nah. crazy side uh, dribble, turn his head and shoot the free throw, which I miss seeing. That was definitely very unique and fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know there was definitely a lot of discussion about whether he should uh, start trying to shoot shoot those free throws yeah. underhand because for whatever reason that was a particular bugaboo for him but you know busting out the hook shot and and all that good <laughs> stuff it was it was a shame there I can say this about a lot of guys um you know but it was it was a shame to not see him get one more shot in the yeah. NCAA tournament last year I mean obviously the pandemic was was bigger than that And but you know a lot of seniors last year who who missed out on a chance we talked last week about the guys from Seton Hall and uh all that stuff but yeah you know, Xavier Simpson and the attitude he brought, he was going to bring it every single game. <laughs> and
0: on the other side of things, Ohio State loses this game, but it's a quality loss, even though they lost at home. Again, 92-87. They don't drop a spot in the polls. Uh, they're still the number four team, at least in the AP poll, in the coaches poll. I believe they did fall a little bit. Let's see. Yeah, they went to five and Illinois moved into four in the coaches poll. But nevertheless, Ohio State, I mean, they looked really good in a loss. Uh, unfortunate for them that they lost. Andrew, do you favor? Uh, not to get into like where these teams should be ranked in the polls, but right now, do you favor Illinois or Ohio State? Who do you like more as a team?
1: That's a really, really good question. Um, I mean, I could take the I could take the coward's way out and pick Ohio State just because Ohio State won in yeah. Champaign a month ago. Uh, that would be the <laughs> easy way to go. I like Ohio State's balance. Yeah, I feel like offensively they're pretty similar. They they don't have the same pieces, but I feel like they are diversified enough. They're kind of like Michigan that you don't need like they. Dwayne Washington set a career high yesterday, um, but they don't need him to score all the time like um you know maybe it'll be justice suing one day or ej liddell who also had a good game might be kyle young or justin aarons um you know they have a lot of balance and that's not even counting seth towns who's still kind of slowly coming back from you know missing a couple years as the the grad transfer from harvard um i don't know about illinois like there's there's no question that they are a really really good team. IO is so much fun to watch and it's a shame that he is not going to be Big 10 player of the year probably yeah. because he happens to be in the same conference as Luka Garza. Um you know and, and Kofi Coburn those guys are spectacular. What I don't know, I don't feel the same about their offense. If one of those two guys gets shut down, yeah, that's a great and, point. And I don't know what, and I don't know whether it's possible to shut down either of those guys. Like maybe you know they are supremely talented, and maybe they're just both. You you aren't going to stop us. It, it's not going to matter. But um, you know if if somebody figures out a way to neutralize one of those guys, do you trust? You know, can you count on um, Adam Miller or Andre Curbelo? to pick up the the scoring slack if, if those guys aren't scoring um, and you know or Georgie Bashanishvili down low. Um, maybe I feel like the jury's still a little bit out. Um, I mean they have they've won you know seven in a row um, so certainly, Credit to them, and, and and a couple of times, you know, Iowa took over. They really should have lost the game that they played forty five miles, forty five minutes down the road here uh, from me when they went to Lincoln last yeah. weekend. Um, but you know, they pulled it out. Iowa took it over, took over in overtime, and um, you know, they got that win at Assembly Hall. Same kind of thing. It looked like Indiana was going to win that game, um, but I mean, they. I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the Minnesota game uh, because you know Minnesota <laughs> they got beat killed. Iowa beat iowa at the barn they beat michigan at the barn um minnesota can't win on the road but they look really good at home um you know that the the spongebob meme right where there's like regular spongebob and then there's like super fit kind of hulk ish uh spongebob that's kind of how they'd been minnesota at home or minnesota on the road and minnesota at home and they just absolutely took it to the gophers on saturday that game was never close um and you know it's it's good that you know they readjusted the schedule a little bit. Uh, we are going to get Michigan and Illinois. Um, That'll be which, sweet. W- which was was good. I know there were a lot of people on both sides uh, who were clamoring for that. Uh, as I know, I'm kind of drifting away from from your question. <laughs> um, but um, right now, I would take Ohio State barely, only because I also think man i don't know i feel like they present more matchup problems like not that kofi coburn isn't you know he's he's a monster inside yeah. but most teams at least in the big 10 have a serviceable center right so you know maybe you can neutralize coburn a little bit whereas because ohio state plays a little bit differently they they just go 67 68 their guards are a little bit taller their wings are a little bit smaller and they all kind of can shoot the ball. That um, I like the diversity of their offense a little bit more. Um, That's a good point. But but man, it's you know it's like asking to pick between I don't um, puppies and kittens or something like that.
0: <laughs> well. I.O. is giving me some major Carson Edwards vibes from two years ago with Purdue. And that was a similar situation where they had to just ride Carson Edwards. And I do think there's probably a little more uh, in terms of they didn't have a Coburn on that team. They did have a Matt Harms and a uh, was was Travion Williams on that team two years ago? Was
1: he He, he'd have been a freshman. So I don't know if he was getting major minutes.
0: Yeah. So Um, it wasn't the same as having a Coburn aside. Right. Yeah.
1: But yeah, no, I, th- I think that's, that's certainly an, an accurate point as well. Somebody had, had pointed out, I think, on, on social media whether there was a player right now who was more clutch than, than Io, just kind of the way he takes over games here at the end. And I mean, it's, you know, as, as a college basketball fan, it was awesome that he decided to to come back for another year yeah, and play as someone who roots for one of the teams that he plays against. <laughs> I was ready to shovel him off to the NBA. <laughs> um, but you know, he, he's so much fun to watch. Um, I, I think one of the the things, and I hope the, the games that we get um, you know, I, it was the same thing when Illinois played Iowa um, when Iowa played Ohio state, kind of all these games that have kind of put these top sort of Big Ten teams against each other, those top four in the Big Ten, have been fun to watch. They haven't been, you know, we talked about, can you grind out a game, and they haven't been slogs. I think the lowest scoring might have been the um, Illinois-Ohio State game, I think, was the lowest scoring, and it was still a combination in the low 70s. Um, So they're good games to watch, and it just it's good to watch good basketball teams play each other, especially since we've kind of gotten to the point where with Baylor being on pause and the big 10, perhaps not being quite as good as, um, what we thought yeah, that, um, you know, there hasn't been any of those really like since, and Gonzaga unfortunately hasn't been challenged in the West coast conference in since play started, uh, except yeah. for their one game at Pacific. So, you know those have kind of really been sort of the the Big 10 games have kind of been the marquee showdowns and they haven't disappointed.
0: Yeah, it's um, been I'd say the Big 10 this year. It's really been I don't want to like I don't want to call it top heavy. Um it's it's a deep league and anyone could be competitive on any given night, but I don't think we're going to see as many tournament teams out of the Big 10. As last year when you and I were doing this, we were talking about seeing potentially 10, maybe even 11. I don't think we're going to see that many this year. When you have these Minnesotas, Michigan State, even Indiana could, I guess Indiana still could get in. It seems like they're probably in at this time, but they're 7-8 and 8 in Big Ten play, Minnesota 6-10. and 10. It just I don't think it's going to be as strong of a year in terms of getting... What we were talking about last year out of the Big Ten.
1: No, no, I think you're right. I think there's a, a very real possibility that, um, I mean, the first four could end up being, it could just be the Big Ten tournament redux uh, if you <laughs> wanted to go that far, because they'll have, uh, you know, a few teams who will be right kind of on that edge. Um, you know, you, you talk about Indiana and Minnesota and Maryland; those are those are three prime candidates uh, to just barely get in. Yeah. Um, Because it seems like the top six or seven uh, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Rutgers, I think, although Rutgers only at 12 and nine, um, you know, they got to win a few games coming in. And they lost uh, a game yesterday at home to Maryland that they really, really could have used. But, um, you know, those top six for sure um, are solidly all in. Yeah. and then Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Minnesota. Can Michigan State make a late push? You know, Penn State has good wins, but they're now 4-11 and in the league and just can't um, – you know, they can't – they couldn't pull off an upset. They lost at home to Nebraska, and then they had a shot to beat Ohio State on Thursday and couldn't pull that one off. Um, and Sunday, so, yesterday, Iowa, 78, 74-68. Yeah, so they, they hang in there, but just can't can't get that big win to get them over the hump. Um, so I think, yeah, it could turn out. If you told me that Big Ten got eight bids, I would not at all be surprised. I mean, there's a chance that you know the cannibalization of the league kind of continues, where they they beat each other up and yeah. can't get enough good wins. Um, you know, and this has certainly been a time unlike any other, and. Um, You know, not the first guy to say that, but how the committee kind of approaches this will be, you know, nobody really knows because the schedules aren't all the same. Like you got teams who have played, you know, Illinois looks like they're going to get a full 20 conference games and Nebraska is rushing through to to get all of theirs. And I think now after they played their five games in eight days, they may actually get all 20 of them in. But, you know, how do you compare – teams who played 17 games and you know Oregon who's only played like five or uh five six or seven conference games like if it gets to a point where you're trying to compare Oregon with Minnesota you know how do you go about doing that and and things of that nature it's going to be um you know I'm glad it's it's fun to look at all the the mock selections and you know the bracketology folks all the stuff the hard work that they put out but I'm awfully glad I'm not being paid to sit in the committee room this year. <laughs> yeah, it'd be better to have that. I'd rather
0: have that job for college football than college. Yeah, it's basketball. a little, <laughs> a little bit easier in college football. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, another good one on Saturday. Good in, good for West Virginia. Really bad for Texas. Texas was up 19 at home. I believe that game was at home, right? Was that? Yep,
1: that game was in Austin.
0: Yeah, yeah. in Austin. They were up 19 on Press Virginia, and West Virginia came back and won that game, 84-82. Texas has now lost four of their last six games. It was really unfortunate because they were doing a great, they did a great segment
1: on game day on Andrew Jones being cancer. Yeah, he's, you know, he won Big 12 uh, Comeback Player of the Year last year. Um, he's a remarkable story, and yeah, you know, to kind of throwing in there, I guess a credit to Texas that they had. The um, 19 point lead that you mentioned, because I think they'd only practiced once because of the the winter storm that hit the Austin was without Mm. power. Um, So they couldn't they didn't have the ability, it sounded like to practice much. Um, But yeah, just in the second half that that the way that game turned and, um, you know, kind of shook out. Uh, West Virginia went on a bunch of big runs 12-2, 13-2, 13-2 all in the second half Um, uh, and just they took it to them the last 15 minutes or so of the game and um, a really good win for West Virginia they still kind of I feel like remain a little bit puzzling Um, every time you get get a chance to kind of figure them out then they do something completely different Um, but I mean they've (laughs) They've been, they've been playing as well as anybody. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we we talk all the time about how the tournament and it's all about matchups and how different teams will fare once they step out of their league, you know, um, the, like Wisconsin is an example as, um, they're somehow, uh, still in the top 25 this week, which i found to be very surprising. Yeah, me too. But you know they've lost four of their last seven, five of their last nine. If you want to go back that far, uh, including three home games. Um, but you know the Big Ten has seen and have played against Craig Guard for a while, and you know his, his style pretty similar to Bo Ryan. So they're used to how Wisconsin kind of wants to grind out games. And then once you get out of your league and you get into the NCAA tournament, you know if you're not playing a conference team until. You know the Sweet 16 or whatever. You know maybe you spring an upset or two because you play in a team that's not used to grinding out games. You know conversely, people are I think in the Big 12 relatively familiar with Press Virginia. Um, and you know what, what happens once they they step outside, especially now that they're they're playing well. You know we got a game that that'll be on the the ones we're going to talk about. I imagine we kind of highlight <sighs> what's coming up this week. But Thursday night they got a big one in Waco, and if they can you know oh that'll be a good if, one. if they can keep that, assuming that game happens as as scheduled um you know we have to have to see what baylor ends up doing since they haven't played in three weeks um you know what happens you know if west virginia goes in there and wins that game that that kind of flips a bunch of narratives uh on their heads so we'll we'll have to see what happens. but yeah kudos to west virginia um, for for not giving up and and uh, it was kind of the reverse side. I feel like there were a couple of games that they pulled out at the end. Uh, I think the Texas Tech one they had at home um, a few weeks ago, where they had a big lead, almost gave it away, and then held on at the end. So kudos to them for rallying. And that was was another one of those really well played, really good games that was fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it was. That was a really fun game. I caught uh, most of that. Uh, I, think I saw all the second half, so I saw all the good stuff there. <laughs> and then uh, I did not catch because I was uh, mi- I was traveling over the house. I was house-sitting at the time. I missed Kansas and Texas Tech. Kansas with another nice win. They're starting to heat up a little bit here. I don't think Kansas is a great team, but I think they are a pretty good one. 67-61 over Texas Tech. Uh, did you catch any of that, Andrew?
1: I caught uh, bits and pieces, um, mostly... I can't remember, maybe it was, was it, it might have been Tennessee and Kentucky or there was another game that I had, uh, it might have been part of the West Virginia-Texas game. I was kind of bouncing back and forth. I can't remember kind of the yeah. timeline when they all happened, but uh, yeah, five in a row uh, for the Jayhawks um, and they've, they've started to, to gel and come together. I think your assessment's pretty spot on. They're not a great team, but they're a good team. They're better than their record when they'd lost five of seven kind of indicated. Yeah. Um, I mean, in fairness to them, you know, Oklahoma state was a, a decent win, um, at home. Uh, but then they kind of got fat off two games against Iowa state and Kansas state. Um, you know, the, the bottom two teams in the, in the big 12. Uh, so to play well against Texas tech, although the red Raiders are another team who's kind of going in the, in the wrong direction. um, you know, Texas Tech and, and Virginia, they've Texas Tech has lost four of seven. Um you know, but it's a good win for Kansas and uh you know that's that's what you want. Bill Self's got a team playing as well as they have all year right now, and you can't really ask for anything more than that. You want to be rounding into form uh as you get into the home stretch and that's where they are. Is there sealing the sweet sixteen? It might be. Um, you know, they're probably going to be seated the lowest they have ever been in the Bill Self era. Um, I think the, I think five was so far that the lowest they've been seated since he got to Kansas and they may end up below that. They may hail it on. They may not lose again and may end up as a three or a four seed. Um, but it, it they're a, a solid team and, uh, just not one that I think, uh, people will be making the same kind of projections that they would have uh, last year when you know we, we kind of thought it might be a Gonzaga. We were hoping for a Gonzaga-Kansas yeah. uh, national championship game. Yeah. Another
0: game I caught on Saturday in the Pac-12. They actually had an earlier game, and that was USC, and they ended up dropping that game 81-72 to Arizona, who self-imposed a postseason ban on itself. So inconsequential for... Arizona in terms of things for this season. Uh, but it was unfortunate that USC didn't get to put on a better showing, uh, for a national stage because I think that's a pretty good team that, uh, plays late at night. And I was also watching UCLA on Thursday night. They look pretty good too. So to have those two teams at the top of the pack 12 right now, both at 12 and
1: three, uh, that's a pretty good story. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, Evan Mobley, uh, if you follow the NBA and want to see the next kind of NBA ready center, uh, you should be watching USC. Evan Mopley is really, really good. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it, the order has kind of been restored for lack of a better phrasing in the, in the PAC 12 and, uh, Saturday, March 6th. So not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday, uh, UCLA and USC, the rematch, <sighs> US, UC, USC won the first game, uh, at Pauley Pavilion and, uh, the rematch will be here at the Galen center and that, could very well be for the conf- the outright conference title. Uh, as yeah. you said, both teams, 12 and 3. Uh, it looks like UCLA has the uh, – so they both have the uh, road mountain uh, swing left at Utah and at Colorado, uh, and if they can win both those games this weekend, each of those teams, then we'll get a showdown on Saturday, March 6th, for the Pac-12 regular season title uh, between – Cross city rivals. And, uh, you know, I don't think we can ask for a whole lot more than that as college basketball fans.
0: No, absolutely not. I think anytime you have UCLA, USC, and they're both good, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, I mean, that's just a lot of fun. It's a classic rivalry. You have two really good coaches that have come in with Mick Cronin, and Andy Enfield has been sticking around there for a little while with USC. They had a really good team a few years ago uh in uh, 2017 i remember that team was really good and then now um the pac-12 i i would say we talk about the american taking a, a at least a step back this year i would say the pac-12 has taken a step in the right direction where they were it was not a very good conference last year and it's not a, it's not a great conference but oregon is a good team Colorado has been solid. They're probably going to get in at this time right now. I would think they're in. I, you probably are a little more plugged into that than I am. Uh, Arizona, in terms of just history, that's a good program. Stanford was ranked at one point this year. At least they were They're playing some really good ball. They've struggled lately. Utah is apparently a top... Uh, top 13 all time and wins this uh, in college basketball history. And then you got Bobby Hurley over at Arizona state. Like I would buy stock and then pack 12 moving into the next couple of years. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And uh, you, you kind of hit all the, those nails on the head. I do think Colorado is in right now. I don't know if they're safely in. Um, so they've yeah. got, like yeah, I said, they've right. got the California schools coming out. It would probably be in their best interest to beat one of those teams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, USC, UCLA, you know, Oregon is going to be an interesting case because, um, you know, they were on that pause for so long. They've got a really good record. How will the committee kind of handle that? I mean, I think that they should be good. Um, Stanford will be an interesting case. They had some good wins, uh, and they kind of, kind of dialed it back a little bit. Um, you know, Washington state right now is seven and 10 in the league, but 14 and 10 overall, they've got a chance to make a little bit of a yeah. run, um, For the future, I think you're right about Arizona State. They honestly have been one of the more disappointing teams uh, in college basketball this year between uh, Josh Christopher, and uh, he was highly recruited. And um, the players they had coming back, I mean they were a preseason top 20 team. I think they it out maybe 17th or 18th and uh, just couldn't get it together. Um, and they've lost a few heartbreakers, a few close games, but uh, a little bit disappointing. But yeah, uh, you know, I remember a few years ago, it looked like the PAC 12 was going to was a member with the PAC 12 was like a three bid league. And one of those bids was a first four. So they were out by the round of 32, the league as a whole. And, um, you know, USC can go d- far in the tournament. I think, uh, mobile, will give teams matchup problems. Uh, UCLA plays hard. I really like the way Oregon plays. Um, so they've they've definitely taken a step forward here over the last couple of years.
0: I got a few mid majors here, uh, and then I got one non-college basketball related thing, and then we'll preview what's coming up this week. So, little mid major madness here. So, what did I watch on Friday night when there was really it was only a couple of mid major games? I watched Dayton uh steamroll st louis and that was a good win for dayton they start; they looked like the team from last year Jalen crutcher was balling um is there any hope for that team to get into the tournament and it's st louis on the other hand of things they were playing some good ball and i think they had a covid pause and haven't quite recovered since that
1: yeah um the pause has has been brutal for them um i mean they were they were a top 25 team um that and they when they went on pause in early December or mid to late December, I guess. The last game they played was UMKC, right? A couple of days before Christmas. And then they didn't play for a month. Um oh, they got swept by Dayton. They have a really bad loss against LaSalle. Um they have a good win over LSU. Um but they'd won four in a row before playing Dayton. And, you know, I watched a little bit of that game at the office. Uh, for the newspaper, and they just looked like they had zero interest in showing up. Um, yeah. They got steamrolled, and credit to Dayton, they were not
0: closing out defensively on transitions. I remember seeing a couple of threes where there was a guy wide open, and they—I saw the guy just walking directly towards the
1: basket on defense. Yeah, yeah, it was—it was not particularly good. Um, you know, they're going to have to. Kind of get their stuff together. the The A ten as a whole is kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, a, a, as 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 you asked, I would say right now Dayton probably not in. But I mean, with the talent they've got, you mentioned Jalen Crutcher. They got all those experience from all those guys who were on that team last year. um Eb Watson's a guy who transferred from Michigan. uh Jordy Tishmanga's a guy who transferred from Nebraska, uh, and they've got guys who who played big time minutes at big time programs and have played really well for Anthony Grant's team. Um, I mean, they're as likely as anybody to win the A-10 tournament. Um, You know, and as we talk about conference tournaments, which I know we're going to get here in (laughs) a minute, uh, the A-10 just voted, I think, uh, over the weekend it sounds like, to change. They were originally going to play their tournament in Richmond. They'd moved it from the Barclays Center. They were going to split it between Richmond um, and uh, VCU. And now it kind of seems like um, they've sort of changed how they're going to do all this. Hmm. Uh, they moved up the schedule. Originally, it was going to start – it was just going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday – or Friday – Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think. It usually finishes on the Saturday or Sunday of the um, championship, uh, championship weekend. And instead, now uh, they've moved it up to where their bracket is going to start next Wednesday and um so they're gonna play they'll still do the stuff in richmond uh for the first few rounds and then they're gonna take a week off the semifinals are on saturday march 6th and the championships not till sunday march 14th and the championship game is going to be played in dayton uh at u of d's arena so it's they've they've kind of thrown this whole thing into <laughs> it, it's kind of chaos uh, <laughs> Which I suppose is sort of fitting for, you know, the Atlantic Ten as a whole, yeah. <laughs> because you know they've got Saint Bonaventure and VCU are both nine and three, and VCU kind of had a chance to stake their claim uh, to the top of the league, and they lost in overtime to George Mason, uh, which brought their six game win streak to an end. And you know, it, Saint Bonaventure, uh, UMass is apparently six and two, uh, but they've only played seven. They've only played eleven games. Uh, they had a big COVID pause, Davidson. I mean, this record Dayton is eight and six St. Louis is four and three. Um, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are 10 teams or nine teams in the a 10 who are 500 or better. Um, and I, I, I can't tell you, you know, I mean, unfortunately it's kind of to the point where they may end up just being a one bid league, maybe two, but the a 10 tournament is going to be one of those where it's going to be appointment viewing because you never know what's going to happen. Like, and they're one of those leagues that, that splits everything. So it's like the first round on ESPN plus the second and third round are on NBCSN. And then the semifinals are on CBS sports network. And then you wait eight <laughs> days in the championship games on CBS that rolls right into the big 10 tournament title game. But, um, you know, if you asked me to pick a winner of the Atlantic 10 tournament right now, I just put the 10 teams who are 500 or better in league play in a hat and pull out a name because I I honestly couldn't tell
0: you (laughs) well if Dayton can heat up here I mean they could be they've been disappointing overall this season and I, I guess not overly surprising considering it was going to be impossible to follow up what they did last year especially after losing Obi Toppin but I mean, hey, if they can heat up here and they look and they look the way that they did on Friday, I mean, that's a that could be a good tournament team that could uh, pull a little something off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I this is going to be appointment viewing. I'm not even I'm not even kidding. Like this is one of those, you know, you look at some conference tournaments um, and you go, well, I think the the one or the two seed will probably win. Uh, This one, I have no idea, and which makes it all the more worth watching every single game because there are, like I said, 10 of those teams. If you told me that two weeks from now, if you're like, hey, Richmond won the A-10 tournament, I'd be like, yeah, I could see that. Okay, that's fine. You just told me Dayton won it. Yeah, yeah. Nope, that makes complete and total sense. Like, you're not going to get funny looks from me unless you're like, hey, Fordham won it. And I'll be like, really, Fordham? (laughs) Because they just just fired their coach, so that would be a little bit surprising. But… Yeah, I mean, you tell me Duquesne won it. Yeah, sure, I'll buy that. Whatever. So it's, it'll be fun. Um, you know, it's one of those where a mid-major league might not get their best team in, but it's going to be appointment viewing um, from start to finish. So I caught a little bit of
0: action as well on Friday night. Toledo beat Buffalo eighty to seventy. Toledo is now in their. I mean, they've been in first place for a while. It's them and Akron at the top of the MAC. They're thirteen and three. That's a good team. That's a good mid-major.
1: Yeah, yeah. Toledo. Um, you know they they picked up a game against Michigan um, after NC State had to go on pause for the ten ACC tournament or a big 10 ACC challenge. Uh, so Toledo stepped in and, and gave Michigan a game and they ended up um, Michigan won by 20, but they equipped themselves well. Um, you know, and they, they all, they could have beaten Xavier um, in the other non-conference games. So they're, they're a good veteran team. Um, they had a little bit of a bobble a couple of weeks ago. They lost back-to-back games uh, on back-to-back Saturdays, but they've righted the ship since then. and, Uh, Buffalo was the other, you know, Buffalo, Akron and Toledo and and Kent state. Those four teams are kind of the class of the, uh, the Mac and for, uh, the Rockets to come through and, and, and get that win. That was a big one. Um, and kind of gives them the inside track to getting the Mac regular season title and the number one overall seat in the conference tournament. Yeah.
0: 100%. And lastly, San Diego San Diego State, I should say. I, I don't know why I had San Diego in my notes. I was thinking Chris Bryant uh, with that MLB survivor. San Diego State, they're heating up. They're a top 25 team. They've won their last eight games.
1: Yeah, the Mountain West is another, another good one. Boise State, um, we're, we're going to bounce around. Uh, you mentioned San Diego State and their eight wins in a row. Um, you know, they were... The darlings a year ago were probably going to be a, a one or a two seed. They played really well. Um, you know, they, they got swept at on the road by Utah State and haven't lost since. Um, you know, their wins since then are not particularly outstanding. Two over Air Force, two over Wyoming, two over San Jose State and Fresno State, um, but. You know, the games aren't played on paper. You still have to credit the team for winning eight in a row. Um, You know, Brian Dutcher's teams always play good defense. They're a top 20 defense uh, in adjusted defensive efficiency uh, again this year. But, uh, you know, I I know you said you you have a a, a question in terms of non-basketball related, and we should get to that. But to segue into games (laughs) that you want to watch this weekend, Yeah, Boise State at San Diego State for two. Game one on Thursday Game two on Saturday, I think. Uh, the first of two, um, they're doing the back-to-backs in the Mountain West, but they're putting a day in between. Um, but those are the top two teams in the Mountain West. Uh, Boise State, San Diego State. Boise State got much-needed wins. They swept Utah State uh, over the weekend. Boise's at 14-3 and three in the league. San Diego State's at 11-3. and three. Um, And those two are both decidedly in, I think. And then the Mountain West could sneak in a third bid, uh, with Colorado State and Utah State both kind of waiting in the wings. But if you want to watch the Mountain West Conference regular season title get decided, Thursday night and Saturday night is where is the place to be.
0: Sweet, yeah. Let's uh, we can transition over to the uh, non-college basketball thing after we run through our pre- uh, what we got this week. So sounds good. What I'm watching tonight: Oregon USC. On Fox Sports One, that's at 8 p.m. Central Time, and then uh, the other one is definitely the uh, Duke Syracuse game. I think that's on at 6 Central Time.
1: Yeah, yeah, those are a couple of couple of good ones. Syracuse um, is kind of they're doing what they've kind of done for I don't know. It feels like the last ten years, maybe they're just kind of hovering. <laughs> yeah. hovering. Yeah, just kind of hovering. Right, they're 13 and six, seven and five in the league um their net numbers they're right about 50 in the number they're like your once again your definition of a bubble team um and they just kind of keep hanging out and then they're one of those teams if they get in the ncaa tournament the matchups favor them because people so rarely see that two big two three zone that they play um but this is you know duke's a a i think syracuse best win Um, you know, Syracuse wins, like they beat Virginia tech. So otherwise that's probably, um, their biggest one. And certainly Duke would be the, the biggest name win that they have going down into Cameron. But, um, you know, and we talked about Duke already. They won three in a row. Um, they're playing better. If Duke wants a legitimate chance to get an at-large bid, it's a game they absolutely have to win. Um, you know, we talked about them being 10 and eight, um, realistically they probably have to win three of their last four games uh i think we ran over it already but syracuse and louisville at home then they're at georgia tech and at north carolina um you can get to if you get to 15 and 11 and you know then you get to 17 or 18 and 12 um that might be good enough you know with with their their name brand and and you know some of the wins that they have but can they keep it going? A short turnaround after uh, beating Virginia Saturday night, and what I'm sure was a really emotional win for, you know, taking on a top ten team and the first one without Jalen Johnson. Um, you know, can they recover? Can they do well? How are they going to fare against Syracuse's zone? And uh, he's certainly one that both teams are going to want to have, and will be a very important win for whoever comes away with it.
0: Tuesday night kansas and texas that game in austin and this these are two teams in the big 12 that are trending in opposite directions that should be that's a really uh that i think that's an important game for texas
1: yeah absolutely um you know it's going to be one that texas is going to want you said they've lost four of six uh going in the wrong direction can can they right the ship against kansas and conversely if kansas wins this game um You know, maybe that's the sign that we need that this Kansas team can get above where we think their ceiling is right now. Like, you know, I said, I think they might be a sweet 16 level team. If they win in Austin, even for as many struggles as Texas has had recently, you know, does that say, hey, these guys can be a, you know, maybe they can, they can make an elite eight. Maybe they can make a final four if things break the right direction. Um, Another one I want to point out to you on Tuesday, if you don't mind. Uh, Yeah. On CBS Sports Network, uh, St. John's at Villanova. Uh, It's an important game for for really both teams. Um, You know, Villanova looked better against Connecticut last Saturday after they got rolled by Creighton here in Omaha a couple weeks ago. Um, And St. John's took a loss on Saturday against DePaul um, at home, which is going to end up being at least a quad three loss that – you know, they they couldn't take on. They're fourteen and nine. They're kind of right on that bubble. They had won six in a row before, and now they've lost two of three uh, losses to Butler on the road and DePaul Paul at home. Um, if they can get this Villanova win because they, they won, they beat Villanova at home a few weeks ago, uh, a sweep of Villanova would do a lot to help them get back into the field. The Big East is another one that's really, really muddled after the top couple of teams. Um, and, you know, if if the, the Red Storm want to get into the, want to feel good, real good about their NCAA tournament chances, it would be behoove them to try and see if they can get that sweep of Villanova.
0: Yeah, I'll have to check that one out as well. Wednesday, Alabama, Arkansas. That's uh, Arkansas. We talked about last week. We said this team's on the rise. Musselman's doing a really good job. They did win that game against Florida. They're now number twenty in the country. Bama peaking at six right now. Uh, that that should be a really fun game in Arkansas.
1: Yeah, if you like offense. Uh, yeah. (laughs) And, and if, if, if you like to uh, like to wager a few dollars, um, I feel like the over is probably a pretty good play in that. Those are two teams that like to get up and down the floor and shoot a lot of three pointers. And, uh, you know, Nate Oates has done a spectacular job at Alabama. We talked about, uh, Musselman last week. So, um, but yeah, that is, that is a low key, you know, game on the schedule came out four months ago that i don't think anybody had circled and now that's the game of the night on wednesday
0: and thursday as you had alluded to is really the big one this week west virginia baylor that's in that game starts in the after in the late afternoon around 4 p.m central time then you got iowa and michigan uh san diego state and boise state as you had mentioned usc
1: colorado there are a lot of real good ones on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday will be a good one to uh, you know just kind of flop plop yourself in front of the TV and <laughs> and, and make sure you have uh, you know a good takeout order handy maybe. Um, but yeah, it, it gets underway at four, um, and you know that's also going to be one of those. It's going to be the the kickoff for uh, conference tournament games. The Horizon League gets going with uh, four first round games uh, on wow. campus sites. Um, and it's the 5 twelve 6 8 ten eight nine matchups. so I don't know if any of those matchups are particularly enticing, but just uh, <laughs> one of those that says, hey you know you know we're here, uh, conference tournaments are going and uh, just something else to keep an eye on because you know you watch the bottom line and conference tournament scores are going to start scrolling by and that's 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 <laughs> you know I feel like when the pulse starts racing a little bit faster is when you see conference tournament scores on the bottom line.
0: That's uh, a lot better than some other stuff you get on the bottom line. I'll just leave it at <laughs> There's a lot of TMZ-style stories. Is, that
1: is true. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: So then Saturday... Uh, Another, obviously, a lot of this is we're really heating up. Michigan, Indiana, I mean, any of these Big Ten games are big. This is a chance for Indiana to really uh, solidify a spot in the tournament, potentially, if they can pull off a victory there. That'd be a huge win. If they lose, they're going to really, uh, I think they're, what, like 7-9 and right now in Big Ten? They're, let's see, 7-8. and So, I mean, I think it's an important game for Indiana, at least to play them close. Texas and Texas Tech, uh, Illinois, Wisconsin. We've got, let's see, Boise State, San Diego State, another one that you had mentioned. Florida State, North Carolina, that's another good one. Baylor, Kansas, oh my goodness, a lot of good ones here. A lot
1: of good ones. Um, you know, and this is this is the the, the specific time. Um, I don't know if the matchups are particularly great. Um, we got Texas and Texas Tech. And then Washington at Arizona, and then Florida at Kentucky, and and you know those those matchups sounded better <laughs> for the most part. A little bit a while ago, but it's the first CBS triple header of the year. Like Ooh, the, the yeah. golf, the golf coverage is now moving over to. NBC, they do their, you know, they've got their January and February swing um, where they kind of have the one basketball game and then it leads into the golf tournament. And now uh, golf will be gone on CBS until after uh, the NCAA tournament coming for the Masters. And that's just another one of those things where you look at it and you go, yep, okay, it marches marches here or it's around (laughs) the corner where we're ready to go. Um, You know, they've got uh, another double or triple header on or I got a doubleheader on Sunday or no, it is triple header. Sorry. It's uh Villanova, Butler, Michigan state, Maryland, and Iowa, Ohio state. So that, that last game there sounds, sounds pretty enticing, but just, you know, you get six games on CBS, you get the, the CBS college basketball music blaring for yep. <laughs> six hours straight. Like, what could be better? What yep. could be better? It's, it's you know, it's it's just another one of those things. You get conference tournament scores scrolling along. You get triple headers on CBS. Like, okay, it is go time.
0: <laughs> Iowa and Ohio State on Sunday as an afternoon game. So, yeah, a lot of great stuff, and we're running out of time, so we'll kind of run through this last thing uh, for fun here. I think it's important to mention. I actually wanted to mention it at the start of the show, But uh, we ended up going in a different direction. That's cool. So the other thing that I was watching this weekend, sports related, the NHL played at Lake Tahoe and they had this, they're really building this NHL outdoors. It was absolutely beautiful to look out at outside, really a great idea in terms of if you're going through a pandemic and you can't have fans, at least you have a limited number of fans why not go out into nature and have a very scenic uh, backdrop for a, an athletic event? Like, There's some pretty good potential with this idea in the future. Unfortunately, it was a little sloppy on the NHL's part. It was, it was a little warm there in Tahoe, and the ice was melting a little bit, and so they had to postpone both games uh, and move them to later in the day. At least Sunday, they were delaying it a little bit at the start. But overall, I was able to watch. Uh, I watched the first period on Saturday. It was too bad the game got interrupted. Um, but I watched yesterday, last night's game, and that was a lot of fun. And I hope they do more with this moving forward.
1: Uh, Dave Pasternak is, I, I think Dave's his first name, Pasternak for the Bruins, is uh, <laughs> quickly becoming one of my favorite players in the NHL. I mean, the, I don't. his post-game interview with the sunglasses and talking about how cold <laughs> it was and and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I love the outdoor hockey. Um, you know, I thought it was a great idea uh, to do that. And there's a really interesting story about they brought the guy. Uh, brought? Have you seen Mystery Alaska? That I have not. Movie. Okay, it's highly recommended um, if you get a chance. But okay. it's about um, the New York Rangers go out to this place in Alaska to take on the local Alaskan team as kind of a and it kind of what gave birth to the outdoor hockey movement. <laughs> um, and. Uh, so they brought the guy who did that, who had the ice for for that, to to come in down here, and you know, they talked about the temperatures, and it was a a shame that they couldn't couldn't make it all work out in terms of you know um, having to have that delay for the third period and whatever else. But it's it's a great venue. It was exciting, and I, like you said, I think there are a lot of locales where you could could make things happen. Um, but it was it was fun, absolutely, and you know to get the mountains in the background was
0: spectacular. Andrew, have you ever been to Tahoe? I've not. I have been once. It was a very long time ago. I was, it was spring break. Oh, two. So if you did the math, I was in second grade back then. So I was really little, uh, in my parents and we we had some friends our, our cousins actually have a, they, at the time they had a cabin in Tahoe. So we stayed with them for a week I was really into, at the time, snowboarding. It was right after the Olympics in 02 in Salt Lake City. Rocket power, as Jay and I were talking about, the show on Nickelodeon, was really thriving. Uh, extreme sports were kind of at a peak in terms of popularity at the time uh, with Tony Hawk and the X Games and all of that. And it is so beautiful. The thing that I was actually thinking uh, ahead of time, I was thinking back, so I went to Tahoe one time and back then, the thing that was amazing to me is that it was really quite warm. Um, so it, it would be like, it would be 50 degrees or 60 degrees and you'd be out snowboarding. So that was the thing that I was sort of like interested to see how it was going to play out because um, it was around this time of year that we were there. I guess it was a month later, it was in March, but it's not a blisteringly cold place as you saw with people kind of chilling out and going out on the water um but yeah it's a pretty awesome place i'd love to go back
1: yeah yeah it was uh it certainly looked like somewhere we'd like to go
0: <laughs> and hannah teeter showed up uh a gold medalist snowboarder and also for the challenge fans that listen to this uh johnny bananas is his ex-girlfriend ah. <laughs> I, I, what, did you have any ideas in terms of other sports that could do something with a scenic view in the back backdrop?
1: I mean, you know, basketball games have been played on on battleships and and things like that. The problem I feel like for for base, you know, um, and, and baseball did Fort, I think it was Fort Bragg. Um, you know, part of the yeah. problem is is that like soccer fields and football fields require so much space. Um, you know, ice hockey yeah. and, and basketball arenas that are a little bit more, basketball courts a little bit more compact, so you can make it a little bit easier. Um, man, I don't know, I'll, I'll have to think about this for a while. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, there was, I, I will say, last summer I was driving up to Eagle River, Wisconsin, and I passed this baseball field way up north, northern Wisconsin. It was definitely one of those Northwoods League teams. And it was just a, it was a ballpark out in the woods, and I thought it looked so cool. And I was thinking something like that for baseball would be really cool. There's got to be a semi-professional or college team that's really close to a beach that you could play at. I think there's some some stuff where you wouldn't even have to go and set up and build your own park. There's something that's already there that
1: you could play at. Uh, some friends of ours got married. Um, on the shores of Lake Superior. Ooh. And that was the scenery there in the summertime. was pretty spectacular. Sweet.
0: Well, Andrew, it was a lot of fun having you here once again. I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. What would you like to uh, throw out there to the people who would like to get in touch with what the stuff you're working on and social media, anything of that nature?
1: Uh, sure, uh, social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, ASTEM00. Uh, we're getting ready uh, here. The Nebraska State uh, high school basketball playoffs are in full swing, so we'll have a lot of coverage with that on omaha.com. Uh, college baseball has gotten started, um, so we'll have, have coverage of that too as teams start working to uh, get their way here to um, TD Ameritrade Park uh, for the College World Series in the middle of June and lots in between. Uh, and a thank you, Jack, for having me. Always good to talk college basketball with you, my friend.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for coming by. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it again soon.
0: All right, folks, that does it for my conversation with Andrew Stem, talking another week of all things college basketball. We'll be back again next week. Not sure who will be joining me, but I'll definitely be taping another one of these on Monday of next week from Tampa, Florida, as I will be on the road make sure you guys are all subscribed so you don't miss out on that episode or our mlb preview series beginning i'm taping my first one tomorrow that should be out by the end of the week and that will be on the american league west the national league west will also drop sometime next week or potentially later this week it'll come soon Nevertheless, it'll come soon. So Anthony France will join me tomorrow. Michaela Perkins on Wednesday should be a lot of fun. I'll be editing those podcast episodes in my car ride to, uh, to Nashville and to Florida over the next, at the end of this week. So, yeah, once again, lots of fun stuff coming up. Make sure you're subscribed to the Jack Vita Show so you don't miss out on any of it. Until then, however, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.